Welcome to the Alight on Wellbeing podcast series. As life at home and at work converge, employee well-being has never been more essential to maintaining high-performing organizations. At Alight, well-being is at the heart of how we operate and serve our clients. We believe in the connection between a healthy mind, body, wallet, and life, grounded in inclusion, so that all employees live their best life at home and at work. We're glad you could join us today to learn the latest and greatest on employee well-being. Let's get started. Well, welcome to the inaugural Alight on Well-Being podcast. My name is Matt Brexted. I'm one of the chief evangelists here at Alight, and I'm joined today by two of my favorite colleagues, uh, Allison Borland and Josh Welch. Josh, do you want to introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about what you do? I would love to. Um, yeah, really looking forward to this discussion today. So uh, Josh Welch, I lead product for Alight. So we'll talk uh, today about some fun things that we're doing in the area of product. And, um, you know, we basically build out experiences in our Alight work-life platform and uh, have a lot of fun doing that. Love it. What's one word you could use to describe your last year? Um, you know, I, I would I would probably use the word transformational. Um, I think both on the uh, professional side, we're going to talk a, a little bit about explosion of some things that need to be solved, which is pretty exciting as a product person. I kind of geek out over that a little bit. Um, and then on the personal side, our uh, youngest is is leaving the nest this year, so Woo-hoo! becoming nesters. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a transformational year um, on both sides. I love it. Allison, why don't you talk about uh, your role and who you are and your one word as well? Yes, thank you, Matt. Uh, I'm Allison Borland. I'm the Chief Wellbeing Officer for Alight. And so what that means is I'm responsible for um, setting the strategy and ensuring our solutions are best positioned to improve the well-being of our clients, people, and their families. Um, and, and one word, and Josh and I are probably too similar in certain ways, but I would probably say my last year has been fast-paced. So a tremendous amount of change um, that we're driving internally and externally. The environment has changed in the area of well-being and overall for our clients in a pretty dramatic way this past year. Um, and I also am fast-paced moving straight to that empty nesting phase as well with a daughter graduating and then another one graduating next year. So I am looking forward to helpful tips from Josh as he will be in that phase year before me, so I will learn a benefit from his experiences. I promise another podcast some point in the future about that. That's a good topic. I think we'll have to we'll have to take that one in. But I think, you know, good transition, Allison. So talk a little bit about how chief well-being officers are really thinking about well-being in general and, and how it fits specifically in today's really challenging environments. Yeah, you know, I might even expand that a little bit more because obviously the chief well-being officer's job is to think about well-being all day and every day. Uh, And that hasn't changed, although there are more CWOs than there used to be. I'd say what's gotten more profound is that chief HR officers and other C-suite executives are increasingly focused on well-being. And that can um, that can show up in a lot of different ways. I mean, some of it is look at the growth and solutions across well-being pillars. If we think about the healthy body, right, physical well-being, we're seeing more and more utilization of MSK, um, musculoskeletal support and introduction of new solutions um, and, and other types of support. Um, women's health is another area of interest 
interest. So there's increasing solutions that are um, being implemented, right, to, to support the employee population. And that is sort of a mandate to say, how are we best going to um, improve the, the support that we give our people? The uh, mental health is another area, right? Um, innovating with best-in-class sort of new types of EAP support, thinking about the support given to adolescents and children in the mental health space and how important that is. And that has a direct impact, right, on the employee's life and, and financial health as well with emergency savings now um, front and top of mind given the recent legislation and the importance of having an emergency fund to being able to retain your dollars toward retirement. So there's a lot of activity the overwhelming majority of C-suite executives say in all of our research that well-being is critical to the company's success. And you might think that's somewhat um, uh, somewhat of a contradiction because we're hearing about a lot of layoffs. We're see, hearing a lot about business disruptions. And if that's the case, is well-being really that important? Aren't you more you know, focused on keeping jobs? And, and why is well-being still so critical? And, and what I'd say is in spite of the turmoil, in spite of the layoffs, there are still areas where attracting and retaining top talent is extremely difficult. And from an overall productivity and effectiveness perspective, if you can focus on the well-being of your people and how they show up to work every day, there's no question that's good for the business overall. So we continue to see importance growing. We continue to see new programs being formulated, new strategies being developed. And where we were one to two years ago was everybody was talking about it and building a strategy. Now it seems that as most organizations have a strategy and they're just trying to figure out how to make it really work. Oh, that is like gold right there. Um, and, and one of the areas that I think is, the, is really intriguing what you said is, is uh, an organization's almost responsibility beyond just the employee. You talked a lot about the family side. So so where do you see, is there a line there or is it really well-being of the entire family unit of the employee that you're that you're bringing in that, that we're trying to support? Well, if you think about how we define well-being, right, we want to make people's lives better at home and at work. That's, that's our core belief of what we're trying to deliver to employees. And in order to make life better at home and to enable people to live their best lives at home and at work, we have to also help take care of home. And I'd say that's a line that's moved over the past couple of years. I'd say a few years ago, it was a little more, nope, that's intrusive, that's big brother. You know, employees aren't looking for help for people outside. You know, that's the employer-employee relationship. And now we're seeing fundamental differences in recognizing that the life that happens at home impacts work and vice versa. And so expanding programs, expanding access, um, expanding capabilities to benefit both the employee and their family is increasingly important. And we're seeing more and more organizations really embrace that point of view. We're also seeing employees and their families more open to getting broader types of help broader types of help directly from the employer um, versus outside sources. So uh, it's been an interesting evolution. I love it. And I absolutely, I mean, I think as you watch what's happened through the pandemic, I think all the rules have changed. And so I think this is a real natural spot where, where that that overflow can happen into, onto an area that maybe previously there had been different rules. Um, ultimately, 
on we talked about the employee side talk about the actual impact and or shortcomings of of the the solutions but the real impact on business outcomes that we can think about as as far as uh well-being as a conversation yeah so you know what we've seen is um through the pandemic and up through recently as i talked about earlier um, employers have added lots of different programs, right? So lots of programs out there um, that can solve all sorts of different things. When you think about how employees live, they don't live in programs and they don't live in a healthy mind on one day and a healthy body on the next day and a healthy wallet the next day. They live through experiences and we call those experiences as many do moments that matter. And we think about them in three categories. We think about moments of acute need, which are when you, they don't happen often, you hope, but you really need a lot of help. So that could be a diagnosis, a very difficult diagnosis. It could be an eviction. Um, it could be an uh, unexpected job termination. There's lots of moments like that that happen across a large population, and you really have an opportunity to step up and make a big impact. Then you have moments of opportunity. It could be something like a retirement or a new hire or having a baby or starting a family or just something as simple as getting a raise or getting a promotion. And those are opportunities that people live where you have an opportunity to change their well-being. Um, and then you have opportunities, or everyday opportunities or everyday moments. And these are moments that just happen all the time where, where we make choices. Am I going to stay within my budget? Am I going to take a moment and care for my mental well-being? Um, am I going to exercise today? And, and there's opportunities to impact those everyday moments as well. And so where I think the where we've seen a lot of organizations, I, I wouldn't say fall short, but I'd say they're still developing is in launching all of those programs and not creating a construct where those programs are available through those moments in a way that makes sense, is intuitive and smart to the actual employee and family members who are living those moments. So that's, I think, a big opportunity and why I, you know, it, it's related to the earlier comment around many employers have a strategy now. It's all about executing the strategy now in a way that makes sense. And in the way that makes sense is going to drive those business outcomes that you also asked about because that will drive utilization, it will drive engagement, and that will in turn improve well-being, which has a direct impact on, impact on many different business outcomes that are very important in today's environment. Attraction, retention, productivity, turnover, um, DE&I initiatives, uh, it's a very long list. <laughs> I, I think we could have definitely added more, but I think, I mean, I'll, moving over to Josh now on ultimately because the way that we used to solve all of the things that that Allison just talked about, uh, it actually could create more well-being disadvantages or or disempowerment of well-being as opposed to making them less overwhelmed uh, than being the employee or their families. So talk about, you know, what type of platform and experience that employees and their families need to actually solve the challenges that Allison just laid out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, Allison um, laid out, I think, a couple of, of pretty important factors that I, I kind of took away from your comments there. You know, one is well-being is a really complicated problem to solve, and there are lots of things getting added um, to uh, to address that. But now the new problem is this overload factor. And, you know, human psychology these days, as, as we all know, is one of convenience and just-in-time relevance. And we are increasingly conditioned as people um, to expect technology to deliver what we need when we need it. 
And without that framework, we have no choice but to kind of ignore the noise. Uh, that's sort of a, a basic human behavior. And, you know, I think that's presenting in the employer and the well-being space in a, in a pretty big way. Um, each of these solutions that are growing has a value that they can deliver and their own way of doing it. But can, can you imagine a world where, let's say, pick your favorite, if Netflix was gone and every movie and show was sending you an ad in its own way with very little knowledge of what was important to you or understanding what you had watched before, that would be pretty, pretty confusing. And so, um, you know, we, we really um, think about those things when we think about technology and how things like experience um, needs to evolve to address some of these, these challenges. How do, you, how do you raise awareness? How do you improve utilization um, and ultimately enable some of those outcomes that that expanding universe of solutions is, is really trying to get to? So, you know, if I, if I summarize it, I think of um, three basic characteristics of a platform um, that I think are necessary in order to take advantage of the opportunity here. Um, number one, and it seems kind of basic, but um, it's deeply integrated. It seamlessly connects things together and makes information really easy to access and obtain. And, um, you know, in the experience strategies, people sometimes call that a one-stop shop, a front door, you know, lots of different terms that are being used there. Um, it, is, it is easier to say than it is to execute. That involves a lot of integrations and, and things like that, modern technologies that do that. But I think one of the key things um, for us as we've thought about this is um, how do you sort of leverage the benefits of an administration um, solution, and, and Alight has done benefits administration for quite some time, to avail yourself of the opportunity to address these well-being needs. And you think about, we have to enroll in health benefits in your 401k plan and check your paycheck and all those sorts of things um, every day. And that means there's a vehicle that people are already using every day. They're familiar, they're comfortable. And what we did is we said, how do we connect now those daily activities to opportunities to engage people in things that matter? So if you're going through enrollment, and, and this happens a lot, and you say, oh, I'm thinking about starting a family. That's not just a medical enrollment topic. That's an opportunity to connect you to really additional, uh, important additional things um, that can lead to total well-being. And, and that sort of leads me to um, the second characteristic of a platform, a really good platform, which is it's deeply personalized. And, you know, there's been an explosion. I talked about transformational at the beginning of this. There's been an explosion in things like AI and how we can more deeply understand things about an individual and serve up information and a channel they're most likely to engage in. And that ultimately helps with awareness and action. All those things are really important. So th think about that example of enrollment that I talked to a second ago. If you use that moment to not just say, here's a medical plan you should enroll in, but serve up resources like family planning or finding an OBGYN and a pediatrician and legal support for a will. And how do you manage your stress? And you need to think about going on leave at a 529 plan, all those sorts of things. Um, historical approaches is that would just come from all over the place in a lot of different silos. And that hasn't lent itself to really good utilization and understanding. So if we can personalize those moments, deliver, as Allison said, um, in that moment, things that matter, um, it, uh, it makes a big difference um, with well-being. I think just the, the, the last sort of characteristic that I think about um, in, you know, a really good platform to help with this is, is it's insightful, right? And so um, when I think about the employer side of things, one of the things that's absent from the equation quite often is, how am I doing? Uh, I'm, I'm putting in all these things. Are they actually working? Are people connecting with them? Are they using them? And so we put a lot of thought into not just how do we deliver information to people, but how do we measure um, before and after and benchmarking against others 
um, to help clients understand what does good look like and how to get there. So, you know, we pull levers on communications and content and things like that. What's lagging? What needs tuning? More aggressive pushes, et cetera. What that ultimately manifests in is just a much clearer view of value and ROI and um, really helps you tie the employee experience strategy to, um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish in well-being. Wow. Um, pretty, I mean, I, there's so many ways I could go from that response. There's all kinds of really, really cool little talking points. I think ultimately what you described, it seems to to plug in really nicely to the the challenge that, that Allison kind of opened with. Um, this is not something that we're creating somewhere in the future. This is something that I know exists. Are we seeing, you know, outcomes or, or proof points that we're starting to resolve some of those challenges that, that Allison opened with? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you would probably expect my, <laughs> my short answer is yes. Um, and, you know, I think there's probably a, a few different ways to think about the realization of um, some of the value. Number one is, the idea that by putting in a highly personalized, insightful, and integrated um, well-being platform, you can achieve better utilization and awareness. And um, we're seeing tremendous results with clients, um, double-digit increases in some cases of things that we are promoting, categories of condition management or telemedicine or caregiving programs, things like that. Um, so, so that's a very clear, uh, a clear tie. I think the outcomes um, and opportunities I view in, in a few different categories too, because, you know, and Allison would probably attest to this. I think we, we do see our clients in very different areas in terms of their well-being strategies. And um, we've also had to be very thoughtful about what are the things that we can kind of bring to the table that, that would help with that. And sometimes it's, there are gaps in an ecosystem that an employer just hasn't hasn't filled yet. There's um, an additional solution or a partner or something like that to cover these needs across mind, body, wallet, and life that Allison talked about. And, and that's really important. And, and we actually bring um, vendors and partners to the table to do that. Um, I think the, the other um, piece that's been interesting when you think about kind of human behavior and, and psychology, um, the pinnacle of driving behavior change is um, actually creating incentives and rewards as great ways to do that. And so we actually built that within the platform. So, so employers have an option to say, maybe you actually will get um, some dollars or some sort of achievement if you do some of these things. You go and find, you know, the best doctor near you, or you you do a, you know, um, a, a personal kind of well-being visit with your doctor, et cetera, and you earn dollars. Uh, maybe those are things you can go spend in a marketplace with personal fitness products, things like that. Um, so, you know, when I think about tackling well-being, there is a spectrum and every one of, at least that I've seen, a lot of our employers are in different places in that spectrum. And that's one of the things that's been exciting is sitting down and kind of understanding what those needs are and how we fill them. And I think to your question, you know, value sort of manifests in different ways um, depending on where they are and what we, uh, what we put in. Love it. This has been awesome, super informative, you guys. I think, uh, A, Anybody listening is going to recognize the passion that the two of you have to to not to solve this problem and support both employees and their families. Any closing remarks from either of you? 
Yeah, you know, Matt, what I, I think to summarize, what I'd say is like the urgency of the problem. There's so much data, right, around more than a third of employees are experiencing physical symptoms of burnout. Less than half feel like their employer is, you know, doing a good job taking care of their well-being. The data is compelling. And so then the question is, what do you do? And I think we've laid it out. So first, you, you gather data, you gather input from the organization, from employees, and you identify gaps in your ecosystem system and you fill those gaps to make sure you have the fundamental problems and issues solved for your people. And then you have to think about the experience. And this is where there's a lot of opportunity. And Josh talked about a lot of ways to think about creating that experience, leveraging the platform, getting the right solutions to the right people at the right time, including both employees and their family members. And that's what's going to drive the utilization and engagement and ultimately those business outcomes that organizations are looking for for. And then finally, measure and adjust, right? So measure the results, understand what's working, understand what is not working and where you can do better and adjust the strategy going forward, right? Like any good strategy. So if we step back and think about it in that way, the pathway to solving some of these urgent issues becomes much clearer and the way to get there um, becomes much clearer. So we are having um, a great time and just feeling really good about the impact working with organizations in this way and really appreciate um, the time it took to listen to this podcast if you are still with us. Thank you both so much for joining me today on this inaugural Alight on Wellbeing podcast. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Alight on Wellbeing podcast. Visit alight.com to learn more about how we're connecting work and life for greater well-being. If you like what you've heard, please give us a five-star rating from wherever you listen. 